Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on March 1st, 2021 from my home studio here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This podcast cuts through the noise and gives you South Carolina-specific COVID-19 news and stories. This episode features a look at what's on tap this week in the Statehouse. We hear the latest about when teachers might be getting the vaccine, and can you guess what the top national health officials are warning governors not to do? Hint, hint, last call. We look at positive economic data, and we go in-depth on the just-approved, safe, effective, and life-saving Johnson & Johnson vaccine. When it's coming to the state, its effectiveness, and how the Biden administration plans to ensure its equitable distribution. Also, it's March. Yes, we're approaching our state's anniversary of when the pandemic first hit us, and we want to hear from you about it. Call us at 803-563-7169. Maybe share some memories from this past year. Maybe you remember last March and when you first learned about COVID or some stories about how things changed, in some cases overnight. I remember where I was when I had my moment of realization, and looking back, it was a bit terrifying. So share your memories with us, good or bad, and let's work through this together. 803-563-7169. And now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is ongoing, widespread, and not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 7,592 confirmed deaths, and currently there are 444,991 confirmed cases being reported in all 46 counties as of March 1st at 4 p.m. Our percent positive rate is 4.1%, and that's a low we haven't seen since last spring, but remember, we changed the formula and how that rate is calculated, so there you go. There are 725 patients hospitalized with COVID-19 in the state, 194 are in intensive care, and 88 are on ventilators. Our case rates, percent positive rates, hospitalizations, and deaths continue to decline. So let's keep up the good work. Let's keep wearing our masks, social distancing, washing our hands, and get that vaccine when you can, folks. So what's the deal with teachers and the vaccine? Lots of teachers, not enough vaccine. What's the deal? Well, I have the latest on what's going on and where things stand right now because I caught up with State Superintendent of Education Molly Spearman on This Week in South Carolina. Of course, I'm pushing for teachers to get the vaccine. You know, I've been very involved with that over the last few weeks. But again, the research, if we look at the data, it says you do not have to be vaccinated in order to reopen schools. However, having teachers vaccinated would help us in continuing operation. We've got two districts that I know of right now, Allendale, Edgeville, both were back in school face to face, but they've had an outbreak among the adults Uh, And by the way, it was done because a few were not following the mitigation strategies, uh, but they've had to close down and go virtual for a couple weeks. So that getting the vaccine would stop most of that. And that's that's the reason I'm pushing so much for the vaccine for educators. And when we look across the state, can you give me a breakdown of where schools are right now? How many schools are doing face to face? How many are doing hybrid and how many just virtual at this point? 
Sure. We have 1,267 schools. Mm-hmm. Five of those are virtual all the time, so I'm not going to include them in the numbers, but close to 700 of our schools are back five days a week, full face-to-face. Another um, right at 500, uh, 50 or so are uh, in a hybrid mode, two to four days a week. And then as of this week, there were 21 schools that were virtual, all virtual. And those are the ones who you know need to need to get back if possible. I do defend and will support any school district that makes a decision because of staffing that they have to go virtual. I understand that and realize that that could be a part of all this. But I do, I've asked all superintendents to please offer a face-to-face, five-day-a-week option for all of their families. And those numbers have ticked up since you had your press conference with the governor earlier this month, right? Yes, I think everyone's working very hard. In fact, I know that just in the next week or two, York County, Aiken County, two of our large districts, will be going back five days a week. So those numbers will drop. When you look at it overall, Gavin, about 97, 98% of our teachers are back doing some type of face-to-face. So, you know, there's a small group that uh, has been very vocal. And, uh, but again, the majority is they're back. And Mm -hmm. when I speak with teachers, they are very happy to be back. They're sad when they have to go virtual. They feel safe in the environment. And I've told them to report to us at the department if there are issues with any type of protocols that we need to know about that I should get involved in. And then keeping with the teachers and the vaccine, we did see a big push uh, that started in the Senate earlier this month, trying to get teachers at first to jump the line of, of folks already in phase 1A. Uh, that got changed a little bit, then it moved over to the, the House, which just, they've still been d- discussing this in subcommittee. You were before the subcommittee the other day. Uh, I want to get your thoughts about where teachers should be and, and how it can be done effectively at this point. Should they be in 1A or should they be prioritized in 1B? Uh, where are your feelings well, on this? You know, I stand by my request. Uh, I wrote Governor McMaster and Director of DHEC asking that we be moved to 1A. So I stand by that. Uh, it does not look like that's going to happen. So the next step then is for us to be ready. And we have been diligently working over the last two weeks. I can tell you that every district in the state now has a vaccine plan. They've been matched up with a provi- with a provider and they have a detailed plan as to how it will operate once we get the vaccine. So uh, it sounds as though 1A, the 65-year-olds, that hopefully in the next mid-March, late March for sure, that that will be completed and 1B will open up. I can tell you that schools are going to be ready to go, and I hope that we'll be the first in line there. Uh, there are about five or 600,000 people <laughs> in that 1B group. So that, that makes us want to be ready, and uh, I, we'll have the schools are ready right now. If we were if we were to get the go ahead today, we'd be ready to go, and we'll continue to maintain that readiness. You can watch that whole episode on YouTube.com/slash/SouthCarolinaETV. Also, a programming note: we won't have any new Twisk episodes this week or next week due to our March pledge drive. So please plan accordingly. It's a new week, which means it's a new week at the legislature. Yeah, Mar- week eight. Here we go. Let's take a look at some statehouse activity planned for this week. On Tuesday, there is a review of the state's electrical grid by the Public Utilities Review Committee, which I'm actually very interested in about because Texas. 
And there's also a Senate Finance Committee meeting on teacher pay raises and charter district funding. The state ports authority will make a special presentation to the Senate Transportation Committee on Wednesday. See last week's ports debate. A medical affairs subcommittee will take up testimony on S-177, which would declare COVID vaccines voluntary, and employers can't take action against employees who choose not to get one. Other medically-related bills will be before the full medical affairs committee on Thursday. Over in the House on Tuesday, there's a full Ways and Means Committee hearing on several pension-related bills and rental assistance. Also on Tuesday, a full Judiciary Committee hearing will happen on the Open Carry Training Bill. After session Wednesday, more testimony will be heard on H-2477. That's the bill requiring trans student-athletes to play team sports based on their biological sex. And CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky, whose state officials love to cite when it comes to pushing for full face-to-face school instruction, and Dr. Anthony Fauci, President Biden's chief medical advisor for the virus, said Friday that governors should not be rushing to lift restrictions amid the dropping cases, which have been leveling off at a still high level. This warning comes as variants continue to spread, and lifted restrictions can lead to a fourth wave. It also came the same day Governor McMaster lifted the final restrictions in the state. Now, I know spring is coming, it's getting warm out, so yes, we all can't wait to spend more time outside. Just please be smart out there, leaders. I know we're not perfect, but I hope one thing we learned over the past year is some more common sense. So use it when you're out and about. And as we go, an update from Congress. The U.S. House of Representatives passed President Joe Biden's massive $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill Saturday. The bill includes, among other things, $1,400 in direct payments, a $400 week federal unemployment payment. Remember, current federal benefits expire March 14th. There's a per-child allowance of up to $3,600 for one year and billions of dollars to distribute the coronavirus vaccines and to assist schools and local governments. The largely partisan vote was 219 to 212, with House Majority Whip Jim Clyburn voting for the bill. And Representatives Jeff Duncan, Nancy Mace, Tom Rice, William Timmons, and Joe Wilson opposing the bill. It's now over in the Senate, where the $15 minimum wage provision is expected to be removed. Democrats expect to pass the bill through the budget reconciliation process, which requires a simple majority vote. We're going to start off our business section with a slate of economic data. Yes, some numbers. We're not going to do the numbers. I'm just going to give you the numbers. So let's start with the economy and GDP. The Commerce Department announced that the U.S. economy expanded at an annual rate of 4.1% in the fourth quarter of 2020, just slightly below economists' forecasts. Business investment and spending by state and local governments drove much of this growth. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell said this year we could possibly see 6% growth. Okay, okay. Take a J, I'll take that. American consumers were also feeling good about the economy in February, with consumer confidence rising to a three-month high of 91.3. Thank you, stimulus payments. Now, we're still not at pre-pandemic levels of consumer confidence yet, but these are encouraging numbers. U.S. manufacturing also shot up to its highest level in three years in February. According to the Institute for Supply Management, manufacturing activity rose to 60.8%. That's 2.1 percentage points above January. Now, anything above 50 indicates expansion, which is good news for our state's bustling manufacturing sector. 
For the sixth straight month, survey panelists' comments indicate that significantly more companies are hiring or attempting to hire than those reducing labor forces. Some of those surveyed said shortages of electronics, specifically semiconductors, is causing disruption. The AP reported last week that President Joe Biden signed an executive order intended to boost manufacturing jobs by strengthening supply chains for advanced batteries, pharmaceuticals, critical minerals, and semiconductors. Mmm, give me them critical minerals. And the price of oil is reaching levels we haven't seen since before the pandemic. It reached as high as $67 a barrel of Brent crude last week before dropping to around $63 on Monday, and U.S. crude prices aren't far behind. Now, this is a far cry from when oil was negative $40 a barrel last April. Remember that? That was a wild time. And you've probably noticed this at the pump. AAA says the average price of a gallon of gas in the state is $2.48. Can you guess what it was a month ago? (laughs) Can you? Well, it was $2.18, so that's 30 cents higher than a month ago, folks. Now, with a healthier market and demand, OPEC will meet Thursday to deliberate whether to increase production after it slashed output last year by 9.7 million barrels per day, according to CNN. And really quick on the way out, I saw a Wall Street Journal headline that said many states have yet to distribute the $25 billion they received from Treasury to help renters. Well, I want to remind folks of the newly launched $25 million rental and mortgage assistance program from SC Housing. You can find out more details and apply for assistance if you meet certain qualifications at schousing.com. We're going to keep with the good news, and we're going to start with something you've probably heard by now, that the Johnson & Johnson coronavirus vaccine received regulatory clearance on Saturday and will be reaching states this week. South Carolina is expected to receive 40,000 doses of the one-shot vaccine that doesn't need to be stored in ultra-cold temperatures. The vaccine, like Pfizer and Moderna, is safe and effective. While the Johnson & Johnson vaccine was 85% effective in preventing severe disease across all regions studied, that includes the United States, South America, and South Africa, it also showed protection against COVID-19-related hospitalization and death, beginning 28 days after vaccination. Jeff Zients, the White House COVID coordinator, spoke during a COVID-19 response team meeting Monday with other members about the vaccine and how it will be rolling out. For the last several weeks, we've been working with governors, state and local health officials, and pharmacies and community health centers to ensure we were ready to roll out the J&J vaccine immediately after FDA approval and CDC recommendations. Starting yesterday, we began executing on our plans by distributing 3.9 million doses of Johnson & Johnson to states, tribes, and territories, and also to pharmacies and community health centers. Johnson & Johnson doses will be delivered as early as tomorrow. We're allocating the J&J vaccine the exact same way we allocate Pfizer and Moderna's vaccine, proportional to a state, tribe, or territory's population. So, for example, if a state represents 2% of the U.S. population, it receives approximately 2% of the Pfizer allocation, 2% of the Moderna allocation, and will now receive 2% of the J&J allocation that is made to states, tribes, and territories. 
We have directed states to manage distribution of all three vaccines in a fair and equitable way. And we will continue to monitor that closely. As part of that work, the CDC is tracking distribution of vaccines across a range of equity metrics, including zip codes and social vulnerability index data. We have three very effective vaccines in all communities should have equitable and even access to each vaccine. As to the expected supply of Johnson & Johnson vaccine, this week we'll distribute 3.9 million doses. That is the entirety of Johnson & Johnson's current inventory. Johnson & Johnson plans to deliver an additional 16 million doses by the end of March. Zion says delivery will be a bit uneven during the start. Dr. Anthony Fauci gave more insight on the new vaccine and refutes some people who may be thinking that one vaccine is better than another. I want to point out again a question we often get asked. In order to try, we always say, what vaccine is better than the other vaccine? In order to be able to determine that, you would have to compare them head to head. This was not done. We have three highly efficacious vaccines that are also, as Dr. Walensky says, has a very good safety profile. A very important number that I want to reemphasize is that there's 85% efficacy against severe COVID-19 globally, including the United States. This is very important because if you look at other countries, such as South Africa, if you go to the next slide, where you have the B1351, you can see that the uh, efficacy against severe critical disease was 82% there. That's really very important because even though the vaccine itself, the spike protein that was used and expressed in that vaccine was the spike protein against wild type virus, namely the virus that is the D614G, not against the B1351. So even though the vaccine itself was not specifically directed against those variants, it did extremely well when it came to preventing severe critical disease. And as we've heard many times now, there were no hospitalizations or deaths in any of those studies. Stat News reports that of the some 43,000 volunteers, rare conditions appeared more common with this vaccine. Blood clot-related conditions occurred in 15 volunteers who received the vaccine and 10 who received placebo. Tinnitus, which is a ringing in the ears, occurred in six volunteers who received the vaccine and none who received placebo. Again, some people are probably like, oh, this is happening so fast. How can they develop safe vaccines so fast? Well, America is awesome, first off. And second, preclinical and clinical research has been going on for years on these viruses. All these vaccines will be available, as will the J&J vaccine, which allows for expanded availability in areas that don't have cold storage capacity. Now, this doesn't mean you're getting an inferior vaccine if you live in a rural area. You are still getting a vaccine that will essentially save your life. It will drastically limit your ability to contract severe symptoms and will add to herd immunity. Dr. Marcela Nunez-Smith with the task force said that there will be an intervention if equitable distribution isn't observed. We shouldn't lose sight of the very good news that we have. We have three authorized uh, vaccines. That's tremendous. Um, we do expect that they be distributed evenly for all uh, communities to benefit. 
Um, there are clinical benefits to, to J&J that we talked about um, briefly in terms of uh, the cold storage capacity, the single dose. Um, that might make it very useful for healthcare providers in their toolkit as they're thinking about things like um, like some pop-ups. Uh, but overall, you know, we do think that the, the distribution, again, should be, should be even um, across communities. So importantly, providing that guidance um, up front, we are modeling that within the federal programs. Um, and then, you know, as we said, we will be tracking by metrics such as zip code and social vulnerability um, to see where vaccines are going. And should certain um, vaccines go consistently to certain communities, we will be able to, to intervene. And, you know, we're here to provide support and technical assistance to, to pivot um, and, and, and intervene and correct if and when needed. Okay, now you know about the J&J jab. Lead says, give me any vaccine ASAP. Dr. Rick Scott, the co-chair of the Prisma Health Vaccination Midlands Task Force, told me that he never thought he'd see the state or country reach the levels of cases and deaths that we have to date. I spoke with him on This Week in South Carolina and opened up by asking him about the Prisma Health Vaccination Program, the largest in the state, which had administered more than 210,000 doses as of our taping last Thursday. Well, you know, we started out with our hospital sites and uh, focused really on the 1A group, as well as the members in our community, the first responders and others that fell into that category. Uh, we quickly ramped up into two larger mass vaccination centers, uh, one in a Kmart adjacent to Greenville Memorial Hospital and a second one down here in the Midlands, which is uh, at Gamecock Park, a tremendous partnership with USC uh, to allow us to use their space and facility. Uh, there are, of course, uh, some some uh, issues around an out, outdoor site in the wintertime, uh, but our team is out there regardless of temperature. And if it's safe, uh, they're even often there in the rain. Um, we've started to uh, focus our efforts uh, now down to six sites as we get a better capability in the larger ones. But we're continuing to explore other options and partners, including uh, the possibility of partnering with Walmart or others uh, going forward. So we're, we're hopeful to get an even bigger space because we know this is uh, not a sprint. It's really a long haul. Uh, that said, we are anxious to see others join the battle with us because uh, we can only do so much as a hospital and health system. Um, but uh, we expect very shortly to see uh, some of these other vaccines roll out into some of the commercial spaces and right into doctors' offices. Mm -hmm. The uh, Johnson & Johnson vaccine uh, will be a game changer, as will some expected changes around the storage of the Pfizer vaccine. I want to talk to you about uh, some of the key indicators we're seeing in the state declining. Some good news. Our cases per 100,000, our positivity rates, hospitalizations, that's ICU and ventilator use, and our deaths are also going down. Um, what's it been like at Prisma facilities? What are you all seeing? I'm guessing this is also being reflected in your admissions, in your current population, and what you're seeing and maybe what you can uh, you know, correlate this to. Is this because of the vaccine being rolled out and being implemented at this point? Well, I wish to I wish that I could take credit for that with the vaccine as a uh, as a uh, medical person, but I think um, some of that is true, and some of it may be just serendipity having to do with changes in the weather and the fact that there are probably many more people that have had a subacute case of COVID than we really uh, uh, are aware of, and so the vaccine combined with um, many thousands more having already had the disease is probably helping limit some of those super spreader events. We saw our numbers go through the roof this uh, this winter, uh, first with Thanksgiving, then Christmas, then New Year's right after. And boy, that uh, first few weeks of January uh, strained every health system 
to its absolute limit. Uh, that said, we have started to see the numbers come down. Uh, the numbers that we have on ventilators are now the lowest they've been uh, since Thanksgiving. Um, that said, the numbers seem pretty scary on the way up that now coming down have become almost the new normal. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want anybody in South Carolina to drop their guard, though, because when I look at the national numbers, I can still only find Iowa in a worse uh, place than we are. Uh, and we're um, very close behind New York and New Jersey and some other states that are uh, still challenged. So yeah. I think we're going in the right direction, but it's not time to uh, uh, to put out the mission accomplished banner yet. Uh, and we are hopeful, though, that the numbers will continue to trend down. Dr. Scott, one quick final question. Uh, we did surpass a very grim milestone as a country this week with 500,000 Americans dead. Uh, more than 7,400 of those were South Carolinians. Uh, really quick, just tell me, did you ever think that we would reach this point in this pandemic? And what keeps you optimistic? Well, I tell you, I, I did not. And uh, I feel like I've lived this twice. Uh, uh, this time last spring, I was headed back to New Jersey to help them open their COVID relief hospital in Atlantic City as the chief medical officer. And at that time, we were looking at dire predictions of up to 120,000 uh, fatalities. Uh, the fact is, um, we all knew there was going to be a, a second spike. Uh, we didn't know that it would be twice the size of the first one. Uh, and so uh, what really uh, does give me optimism, though, is uh, we will have uh, three great tools uh, at our disposal. And we've also got the monoclonal antibody and antibody uh, 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 cocktails available to us now. Mm-hmm. Um, we opened a clinic here at Prisma for that in the Midlands and have uh, given uh, upwards of 1,500 doses so far across uh, the entire state. And uh, if we can continue to identify at-risk, vulnerable people in the correct age group, and get that to them, we may be able to uh, keep them from ever ending up uh, in an ICU. Thanks to Dr. Scott and all of our medical professionals who have been on the front line of this pandemic day in and day out for nearly a year now. And do your part to support them by wearing your mask, social distancing, washing your hands, and getting the vaccine when it's available to you. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and want to hear your stories as well. Tell us what's going on. Like I said at the top, we're almost a year into this since the since COVID-19 has came to South Carolina. So we want to know how you're handling things. If you're looking back, if you're thinking how could it have been a year? Well, it was a very long year. We all remember that. But tell us your stories. <laughs> tell us your memories. 803-563-7169. And we might just put it on the pod, especially as we approach our year anniversary episodes. So I uh, hope that you got us said, presents. Yeah, give us those. AT, we still have plenty of uh, great voicemails in the hopper. So oh, the hopper is yeah, juice, check, baby. Check out, the, <laughs> check out the voicemail hopper. Dude, <laughs> we, could, <laughs> we could do so many dips right now if we wanted to, but we must show our own restraint here, mm, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so Gavin and I, both very competitive boys, I'll say. And, uh, what do you uh, mean? We, it, <laughs> you don't say that about me, bud. Uh, so the other day, Gavin and I, we had a faux divorce where we divided up our listeners, and <laughs> one of them decided to call in and uh, set his own record straight and maybe take control of his own life instead of us controlling it for him. And that's okay. But yeah. <laughs> let's roll. We're it. not decoupling. We're not Kim and Kanye. We're still here. 
we're, we're still, still see here. You. We're, we're still going to see you guys on you. Tuesdays and Saturdays. Have, <laughs> we're just going to alternate weekends and have two podcasts now. And you're going to have two Christmases. But uh, let's go. What's up, guys? It's your friendly neighborhood Trader Joe checking in again after just hearing that I have uh, officially decided that I will have more favor for the time being with uh, AT over Gavin. But uh, it's a close call. You guys are both pretty cool guys. Pretty cool guys. Don't think I got any real problems with you. But yes, uh, a little bit of uh, likeness of uh, heavy metal bands and such like that definitely <laughs> throws it over the top just a little bit. But would also like to, uh, I don't know, just point out that... Uh, People are behaving for the well, for the most part. Coming up uh, here and uh, the first year of the pandemic, people are still being really, for the most part, pretty good. Am a little concerned um, about some of the stuff that has been going around so much on the internet that now our uh, our people at Trader Joe's are bringing awareness to the idea that there are possible maskless protests coming up this coming Sunday at a. Uh, at Trader Joe's, which they have uh, decided to label us as Traitor Joe's because we refuse to back down on mask policy and social distancing and stuff like that. So if uh, any listeners out there hear this and they know any people that um, might be deciding to participate in such things, family members and such, just sort of give them a little plead from us here in Grocery World that, you know, we are, like everybody else, having to deal with this, like everybody else, having to deal with much more than, you know, we ever expected to a year ago. Um, and we're and we're getting, you know, very, very, very tired and overwhelmed sometimes. And it would just be really nice if they didn't come to our place this coming Sunday and try to come in without a mask on and skip them. But... Whether or not if they do, we're just going to treat them with as much care and respect as we can. Um, other than that, on the positive note, I'm doing good. I hope you guys are doing good. And uh, we'd just like to encourage everybody to get outside in the sun that we've been getting this week and take a deep breath and enjoy that little moment. You get to take a nice, good breath. Hope you are well. Well, thank you, Trader Joe, for that uh the nice little thought there at the end. Yes, it was a nice weekend. And it hopefully was people weekend. aren't going to be protesting at Trader Joe's or any other establishment without their masks on. That's just a little ridiculous, people. I mean, I remember back to, I guess it was April when, you know, there were the big protests outside the state house and people were screaming and honking horns and just being like, reopen, we need to get back to work, do all these things. And it's like, okay, well, we got everyone's back open. Everyone's doing their thing. We're just wearing masks you could, because you they can still lives. do it with a mask you can on. You still yeah. do everything with a mask on. It's like, you know, we're still not in normal times, folks. We're still in extraordinary times. So we're taking extraordinary measures, which as extraordinary as it is to wear a mask. And I know it's hard, but I mean, I, I managed to go to the gym. I'm going to go ahead and tell everyone that I've been going to the gym since January. You just outed yourself, I did. baby. And, but guess what? Like, I'm still negative. And you know why? Because I wear masks the entire time. you wear time. a mask. Yeah. And even when I'm on the, even when I'm doing cardio and like, everywhere i'm i still have my mask on you know like and for the most part everyone else does too so guess what you know like that's that's how we work that's how we're going to survive this that's why our flu rates are so low as well you know it's it's encouraging Uh, i I can't tell you how happy i am that i haven't gotten the flu from a dirty dirty child yes yes. Um, (laughs) it is truly 
truly blessed. Um, uh, hashtag blessed. Yes. And uh, uh, gather. I, hashtag gather. Hashtag lead, laugh, love. Thank you. Hashtag uh, no cussing in this house. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, Trader Joe, I, I really do think uh, that you should bring it up to your superiors that you should be paid as a, as a spokesman for Trader Joe. I don't learn any other Trader Joe news from anybody else. I mm-hmm. mean, you're my direct source, my my bat phone straight yeah. into Joe. I mean, I'm get honest, Joe I'm gonna, on the line next time. I'm going to have to start shopping there. I, I just out of loyalty to our listeners now. Oh, sure. Yeah, so totally. Add one more, add, add one more uh, grocery store to my rotation here. So thank you again. And... Um, At, you got some news yes. for us where you are. Things I sound I have traveled. There. I I have traveled. I'm sitting outdoors right now. Ooh. Uh, in Kiwa Island on oh. Kiwa Island. Ooh. Yes. Uh, my wife and I to celebrate one year of not doing anything forever. Uh, mm. And we haven't been able to go home into Jersey and yeah. see any of our parents or any of our loved ones or anything like that. So we decided to to rent an Airbnb and go play golf in Kiwa. So uh, thanks for taking us along. Ex- yeah, yeah, and I still work. This is the commitment I have I to love you, it. monsters, demanding so much of my life. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. They calm can down. Still calm hear down. You. They can uh, hear you. <laughs> I, I haven't played any golf yet, but uh, I'll tell you how bad I do mm, uh, no. on, on the weekend pod. But uh, I'm sure and it's not going to be great, but it's going to be fun. But Gavin, your news is more pressing. Yes. Your news for this wind down. You got wound up this weekend. I've been defrauded. Yes. Oh my God. No. How? Explain. <laughs> well, I mean, where to begin? But how do I even start? So I was just checking my Amex account the other day, and well, the today actually, and I, um, I was I realized that someone had a little uh, adventure down in in Athens, Georgia, in February, and, and it multiple wasn't you. waffle houses and a couple oh, QT yeah. gas stations. Yeah, yeah, baby. And I was. Aghast. Aghast. <laughs> I don't take, I don't use my Amex gold card for such purchases. <laughs> Brad. <laughs> it's just, I, I have it for, you know, online stuff. It's linked to different things. So I just pay it, you know, I pay the same thing every month. And then you don't whip it out because no. that's too ostentatious. And it's been going on you know? since the beginning of last February, right? So it's, it was only like $300 worth of charges, but it's these smalls, like, small, like, it's two, the principle. It's a $25 charge here and like yeah. $30 here. So nothing that I was like, what? And so I called them up and I was like, I have, I have no idea what's going on. I've never been to Athens, Georgia. Go Bulldogs, right? <laughs> no, go Corks, baby. Corks for life. And then they also went to Concord, North Carolina, where I've also never been. Uh, so you can had, find this person and dox them on here if you want. Someone had some free uh, gas, some free Waffle House Eats. You know, I hope maybe they needed it. I don't even know how they stole my credit card information. This card doesn't leave the house, even though you're never supposed to leave home without it. I know. Under lock Look what and happened. key, baby. <laughs> Look what happened. I, I don't I know. I, I've been, I guess I got skimmed. I've been defrauded. Who? Where were you in the same proximity as as a Waffle House QT Athens, Georgia person? I would like to know. But see, all of Gavin's purchases are in Athens, Georgia. All of AT's purchases, fraudulent purchases, were in, were in Islamabad, mm. which is not fair. I yeah. do not appreciate it. <laughs> Targeted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was just. I mean, luckily, it's you know, it's super easy. I didn't. I didn't feel guilt. You're talking about how you were kind of guilt a little bit. They do that when oh, you do when the you call charges. and you tell them. They always there's always this little bit of skepticism yeah. in their voice. Like maybe you're lying about this. They, stuff. and I'm like, no, I'm not in Islamabad. They made me feel like a valued customer, so I was appreciative of that. I was like, no, I, I mean, you can look at my history. I, I haven't used this card at a, a Waffle House in ages, <laughs> ages, <laughs> not <laughs> since the incident. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but yeah, uh, kind of, it was a nice weekend. I managed to get on a boat this weekend. Very excited about that with some friends. So it was Float out and it. about. It's and, important. Uh, other, other things I did was um, I got to watch some bad, there's so many bad horror movies on Amazon yeah, Prime. You were, ta- you were trying to sell this to me, and I, I would just like to point out that Gavin, he'll watch any old bad horror movie, but <laughs> refuses to watch Fast and Furious. And I, 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 I am a little offended by that. I can watch it. It's just, I, it's just, I can't do the Vin Diesel for extended periods of time. It's not good for me. Bro, he doesn't need sleeves. <laughs> I know. Look at mine. I'm roll- my sleeves are rolled up You right look now. like Vin Diesel I'm right now, and you don't even it. know it. Yeah, embarrassing. I watched some bad movies on Amazon Prime. There are plenty of them. I don't even know how they keep producing them. There's so many of them. (laughs) And I finished watching all the Phantasms, which still make no sense to me. You know what makes sense? Fast and Furious. Family. It's about family. family. (laughs) (laughs) And you're our family. And you know how you show appreciation in this family? You leave us a review on iTunes, or you leave us a voicemail, okay? Or you share Coronas (laughs) with your family (laughs) around the table. Family does here. (laughs) 803-563-7169 and you can stay up to date with the latest news on our family on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org and don't forget to support your local newspapers also we got the pledge drive going on for ETV right now that's right do your part we're trying to reach our $300,000 goal this month and you can do so by pledging at just the basic level of $40 and if you pledge at the $75 level you get access to PBS Passport and all that great programming your donation helps support donate at scetv.org for the south carolina lead i'm gavin jackson be well south carolina oh hey at shire uh long hauler here convoy <laughs> baby uh 